just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here, and I, I, I got to tell you something. If you have been to a church, been a part of a church, part of a ministry, a group of people who, you know, they're, they're Christians, they call themselves Christians, and, and you have been wounded, God's not the problem. He's the answer. The, the people are the problem, and people are always going to be a problem because people are flawed, and we mess up, and we hurt people, and just if you're in that place where you're just done with church, just pause for a second, please, because that's not the right response to a difficult situation. Uh, and we're going to help you walk through maybe what could be very, very helpful in your life. My guest is Natalie Runyon. She's a worship leader, pastor, and she has a book where she's addressing this because guess what? You think you've been through it. She has to. Her book is called Raised to Stay. And and that is the, a great title because that is, is the bottom line. Uh, you know, we, we are supposed to be a body of believers, but man, I get it. it. It's it can be tough. So, hopefully, uh, a little help today. Uh, in fact, if you know someone who's in that in that kind of position, you, may, you might listen a little bit and then hit that share button and just say, "Hey, look, I know you're struggling with this. Maybe this will encourage you." But uh, that's that's our goal is here is to encourage you to, to to take the pain and the frustration to God because that's where your answer lies. Natalie, great to have you on Life Today Live. It is so good to be with you, Randy. Thanks for having me. So let's let's dive into uh, a little bit of your background and your story, so that people can you know believe what I told them in the intro. And in you you kind of get this whole thing. Walk us through some of um, what got you to where you're at today. Well, I grew up in the church as a pastor's kid, entire life living in church parsonages, at revivals, camp meetings. When the doors were open, we were there, and you know, then went into a very public university after going through church hurt myself with my family. I was supposed to go to a Christian college and my family got so hurt. I just said, look, if this is the church, I don't want it. Mm. If this is what it looks like to be in ministry, no, thank you. And so I ended up at a public university in the state of Ohio and went through five years there of wrestling with my faith and all of the good ways, you know, I probably deconstructed as we hear that word used a lot, but it was more of a detangling from some of the things that church people had said over me and, and put on me. And it was through my own wrestling with the Lord that I came to understand my own faith. And it was a beautiful journey. I think it made my parents panic and a couple of other people panic, but mm -hmm. you know, the church panics when people wander, but sometimes wandering is the greatest thing we can do. And it was through my twenties that I started to get back into worship ministry and started back on a church staff really for the first time since getting hurt by the church and fell deeply in love with the people of God again. And it was the greatest gift the Lord had given me. But we have to know if we love people, we're going to get hurt by people. And that's just our reality being these fallen humans leading fallen humans. And so the last 20 years of my life have been dedicated to really wanting to see my friends back in church, back in a relationship with Jesus, but also holding the church accountable to ways we haven't been good to one another and the ways we haven't protected sheep. And that's where we are today. So um, I don't want, you know, I don't like gossip. I'm not, I'm not looking to slander people, uh, you know, whatever, but how much do you share about what that hurt actually was? Because I know there's a, there's a range 
uh, of experiences that people have? You know, I go through the book a lot and talk about specific scenarios without naming churches and Mm. without naming names. I think we can be honoring and honest at the same time. I think there's a way for us to talk about our experiences without having to drag names through the mud and and gossip. Also, remembering that sometimes our Judas or our Saul is somebody else's Paul. Mm. And just because somebody hurt us or a church hurt us doesn't mean that they're going to do it to anybody else. And so I really try to protect names, denominations, places, things like that, because I don't want to be divisive. I do right. want to be informative. I do want to make connections with people and let people know I'm legit, yeah. but without taking it too far. Right. So what I'm curious about, though, is what, what did it look like to you? Was was it like judgmentalism that was directed at you? Was it... Um, was somebody slander you that kind of thing what 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 was what was the hurt on your end so for my parents one day we showed up at church we just show up at church and we live in the church parsonage and we're told this is your last sunday there was no Uh, warning there was no conversation it was just hey you're done and we had nowhere to live we had nowhere to go there was no uh, severance there was no let's take care of this family i was a senior in high school and we had to pack up and we went and lived in an efficiency apartment over a barn at somebody's house that we owned and so i felt like david running from saul i was like who like why do we do this and so that was really at 18 years old those are formative years Um, and in the book, I mean, I tell this story and I, I didn't name names and I didn't Taylor Swift everyone because, you know, that would have been <laughs> that would have made a lot of people happy, I think. Um, but I really did have to go through my own healing and reconciliation journey with these people that just cast us out. Well, yeah, I mean, what, hilarious. OK, so when Paul goes, Paul's been converted received you know the message the gospel from jesus himself on the road to damascus and it's like it's it's like 10 years or depending on how you count the whether you count the three you know, 11 to 14 years till he goes actually to the disciples and is like this is what i'm preaching as the gospel will you guys go with that and they're like they affirm him they give him the right hand of fellowship right and they go oh yeah one more thing remember the poor and he's like and i was eager to do it so it's like you got the gospel and remember the poor is the only addendum to it you know and you got a church that was making you poor yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> I, I think that as as organizations, we should protect our pastors. We should protect the families that are taking care of the sheep. And, and so it really just gave me this fear of if every time I go into a house that's supposed to protect me, will I be betrayed, too? Yeah. And so it started this kind of not trusting, not trusting leadership, not trusting organizations that had raised me. And that, and that really hurt. Curious, was did you see God's faithfulness to your family? during that time, after that time? I mean, over and over again. Yeah. I remember watching my dad look for jobs for the first time in my life mm. and waking up to the sound of that yellow highlighter squeaking jobs on a newspaper and watching him go to work for a car dealership and being a used car salesman and just going into then college and wrestling with my faith and my own sister and my mom and the way that God showed up individually in our family to provide, mm-hmm. to bring healing, to bring restoration and reconciliation where it needed to be. And I'm happy to report that when we moved back to Kentucky this year, my parents are attending that very church that hurt them and they're helping to pastor really? the pastors. And so it, 30 years later, we we can see how God does finish what he starts. And, you know, it was painful. It was awful. But God showed up in the most beautiful ways. That's very that's very interesting. And it doesn't surprise me, really, to be honest. Um, what about so 
the, there, there are several facets to, you know, situations where someone has been hurt in a church. One of those would be the accountability. Uh, and, and I, you know, whether you, you want to apply it to this specific, specific situation or, or in general, I'm just curious, what, what, how do we, how do we hold people who are in a level of spiritual authority accountable without being gossipy, destructive, touching God's anointed, one of the most abused verses in scripture, right? How do you, have you thought about that a lot? I'm sure you've had to deal with this. Well, being on church staff, I mean, I've been on many church staffs over the years. The Lord uses me a lot of times to go in and I don't like this. I don't like that I can go in as a pastor's kid and see where there is some uh, trouble, if you will. I always say I didn't choose the thug life. The thug life chose me. It's really unfortunate (laughs) to be able to go in. But what I've learned about church culture and church staff is that a lot of times there could be an abusive leader or someone in position and everyone is so afraid to say anything because they don't want to get fired. And so what happens is you have have then a bunch of staff who would rather quit than contend for healthy culture. And what I am challenging churches to do is to make sure that every pastor has a board, an elder board, that there is accountability over those leaders. And that if a staff person reports something to HR or two different levels of leadership, that it's believed the first time. And I believe that when we start Uh, taking all of these things seriously when they're brought to leadership that we can begin to investigate sooner and the abuse cycle can stop should there be abuse happening on that church staff. But we have to facilitate healthy church environments so that our staff feel safe to speak up. Yeah. At the same time, there's this, you can go overboard, I think, because sometimes, I mean, you know, I've, I've seen a situation where, uh, you know, a pastor, I, you know, he does something, you go, eh, that probably wasn't the best way to do it. And someone else is like, oh, no, he's he's an abusive, you know, and you're like, I, I think that's a bit much, you know. Um, but yet then there are situations where there's flat out horrible abuse. So, I mean, again, the, the gamut. How do you know if it's just people's imperfections, people who love Jesus who still make mistakes, or someone who's manipulative, abusive, uh, power, you know, power hungry? How do you... How do you navigate the differences there? Because I do think you've got to treat those situations completely differently. Absolutely. And there's a huge difference between there being wolves in sheep's clothing and then sheep crying wolf. And we have both happening. We have both happening in the church. So what I what I've really relied on is discernment. And I believe that nobody should go on to a church staff if they don't ask the Lord for more wisdom and more discernment. Mm. Because what happens is, is we become suspicious really quickly. And suspicion is discernment masked by fear. So if we are not healthy, if we are looking for there to be something to be wrong, if we are a gossip, if we are mm-hmm. um, incapable of discerning the spirits, then we absolutely will go into suspicion mode and begin to create division when really a Matthew 18 conversation would settle the matter. But you're right, because we have this huge gamut right now on social media, all the documentaries mm-hmm. coming out, huh. people are going into churches with secondary church hurt. It hasn't even happened to them. Mm-hmm. And they're expecting it to happen to them. So that is why we have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves as leaders and also as a church staff leading imperfect people what's help me out what's a matthew 18 conversation oh uh, the going to your going to your brother and okay yeah so well, well now walk through that if you don't mind for people who who are like yeah i still don't know what that is 
So the Matthew 18 principle is just making sure that we handle healthy uh, conflict in a biblical way. So we go to the the brother who hurt us, the brother or sister who hurt us. We say, hey, when you said this, when you did that, I don't believe that this was your intent, but could you help me understand what you meant? Mm -hmm. And if it truly was an offense, which my friend John Bevere calls the bait of Satan, then hopefully together in that conversation, we can unpack, whoa, that was an offense. I didn't mean that. Please forgive me. And we can hug it out and, and move on our day. However, if it's truly a problem, then we take it to the next level of leadership. And then we bring in another group. And and that's why the church is a beautiful body, is that we're able to do this in a way that doesn't cause more chaos, but begins to bring light into darkness. Because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy and divorce the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and he loves chaos. Yeah. So the Matthew 18 uh, principle just really brings us into a space where we can have the hard and holy conversation in order. Love it. And I appreciate you unpacking that because oftentimes it's, you take a situation that is maybe not good, maybe not right, but when you don't follow those biblical procedures, steps, it just makes it worse. Uh, and, and so, I mean, there, that's such, it's, it's simple, but profound because it's God's wisdom. Uh, and it's practical. We can do that, you know. Um, a lot of people don't want to. And, and that's, I think, where you go, okay, let's, if, if I'm in that position of, of I'm feeling this hurt, I need to check my own heart to make sure I'm going at it the right way, too. Because otherwise, you know, they're wrong, but now I'm wrong and nothing gets made right. All right, I'm going to show people your book. This is Raised to Stay by Natalie Runyon. It's available now wherever you get books. Uh, and also her website is right here. It's natalierunyon.com. If you want to follow up with her, you can do that. But I have a question for you, Natalie. Uh, and for those of us, uh, well, for those watching, uh, you and I are in vocational ministry, so we're, we're on one end of it. But for someone who's just, they're a church member. And they go into, a, or they're in a church situation, uh, and, and they they get hurt, or they sense some things are wrong. Um, how do you How do you know when... I need to stick it out, maybe confront some people. You know, if I'm, if I don't know the pastor, it makes it a little weird to confront him, you know, Um, as opposed to maybe it is time to just go somewhere else. Um, And because that's where a lot, most people live. They're like, you know, and when I say go somewhere else, I mean, go fellowship somewhere else, not just leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you, do you have any insight into the, the best way to maybe, figure out what people are supposed to do in that situation? It's a question we get asked every day in the Raised to Stay community because people really do have a heart to stick it out. Nobody likes leaving a church. I mean, finding a new church is hard. Finding a new church takes time. And Mm -hmm. I believe people truly do love their church families. And so when something happens that is difficult to understand or when a leader falls or there's a failure, I think the Lord is so kind and that he gives us wisdom to know if we're to stay and help to be a bridge in that environment or if he's gracing us to not leave, but to go and to be released into a new season where maybe we aren't equipped to handle the situation that's presenting itself before us. And he's graciously giving us an opportunity to move on to a different ministry or opportunity. But what I always tell people is 
you need to pray and fast. You need to spend time in the word. And if you need to get a counselor or seek spiritual direction, there are so many amazing resources that will help us unpack what's happening without it turning into gossip, without it turning into me going to another person on the staff or in the congregation and stirring the pot. And so I really believe that God gives us this peace that passes all understanding to let us know if we're to remain in position there in that church, or if he's giving us the freedom to go and to maybe try a different, you know, body of believers in that time. And it's never easy. It, it, it's never yeah. going to be easy. Yeah. That is for sure. Yeah. We, we, we did it a couple of years, not because of problems, but because we physically moved across town. So now I'm an hour away from my 19 year church and you're right. I mean, it's like, I mean, we actually in, enjoyed it, but there, I mean, there, there was one church that we visited upon recommendation that my wife and I, we almost sprinted to our car afterwards, like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 something's going on here and we don't like it. But you know what? We ended up at a wonderful place, uh, and, and gotten to know the, a pastor and I found out pretty quick, they're not perfect, but I do know they love Jesus and, and they want other people to love Jesus. And I'm like, I'm cool with that. And we actually, it, it's been great, but it's. It can be a challenge, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm here in Texas. we got churches on every corner, so I have a lot of options. For some mm-hmm. people, you know, it's difficult, um, and, and we see that. Um, I do want to ask you, as you, you know, have been the person who talks about this, uh, and, you know, I've, I've get the, I get the Barna stats on, you know, whatever label we want to put on generation, whatever. The point is that there are a lot of people who – don't go to church or have left the church. We've seen it, and and I don't know what it is about the music industry, <laughs> but when there's all these musicians who are like, oh, I've deconstructed my faith, I'm not a Christian anymore, and you're like, there's just a lot of weirdness going on. What do you, what are your thoughts when you see people leaving the church or leaving the faith, whether it's for a hurt or not? It breaks my heart. These are my these are my brothers and sisters. These are people that are gifted and talented and anointed and called. And mm. the enemy has gotten a foothold somewhere in there. And, you know, I can have a choice. I can either be frustrated and have righteous indignation and mm. plant my feet in the ground and defend the church, or I can turn to wonder and I can ask my friends, I wonder what happened to you or what happened in mm. your life that has brought you to this conclusion. And understanding that listening is a beautiful ministry. And while my heart, you know, my heart's broken because I I want them to know the God I know, and I want them to know the Jesus that I know, and I want them to love the church the way that I love the church, but God is the great hound of heaven. And so if I can turn to wander and become a really good listener and love them where they are, I have no doubt the Holy Spirit is going to bring them back into relationship with him and his church in time. And so God is not in a hurling, in a uh, hurry with our healing. And so I have to be really conscious to not be in a hurry with other people's healing as well. And that takes a lot of prayer and empathy, a lot of empathy. And you know what? As soon as you do that, because I I agree with you 100 percent, you get other people that really annoy me saying, well, (laughs) you're not you're not hard enough on them. You haven't condemned them like I have. Do you does the condemnation culture in the church drive you as crazy as it does me? Yeah, because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, so why would I? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that wasn't his job. Yeah. Um, My job is to continually point people back to Jesus. That's my job. Love God, love people, go and make disciples. When we get off mission, yeah. we remember we, we have three things. Love God, love people, go. 
<laughs> and and right. if we can remember that, like, then it takes all of this trying to decide who's a sinner and who's not off of our plate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's not a substitute for discernment to know what is sin and what is not. Uh, it's just, I, boy, there's something to it, you know. Um, is there? You mentioned righteous indignation, and we we talk about righteous anger. Is our indignation or anger ever righteous? That's my. I just wonder. <laughs> no, because we're so fallen, and we're not Jesus. We're yeah. not Jesus. I mean, I I really believe that. What when the word of God says, Lord, you know, break our hearts for what breaks the heart of God. Like, I believe that that is what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. We're feeling sadness. But we have to remember that anger is a secondary emotion. Most of our anger is driven by something else. And I believe that for a lot of Christians, we're worried, we're afraid, we're um, sad, we're anxious. And it comes out as anger because we don't have a healthy place to place it. And so it's going onto social media. It's being put on people um, that we think need to hear our opinions 24 seven. And yeah. the truth is we need to be praying a lot more than we need to be jumping all over each other for not living the way that we think they should be living. And I want to just say something really quickly, though. There is a massive difference between consecration and, and sanctification and being set apart. Like we know we're not condoning sin by loving people where they are we are just simply releasing them back into the hands of the father the one who went to the cross and died for them so obviously we're not condoning sin but we're also not going to put shame on people who are still trying to figure things out yeah yeah and that that is important and that is possible and and there's going to always going to be some self-righteous people who don't like that <laughs> and you know jesus had a problem less so with the sinners than he did with the ones who were supposed to be saints. So, you know, you're in, you're in good company if you got some self righteous people in a church somewhere giving you a hard right. time, right? <laughs> I I wrote on social media a little while ago. Careful, your Pharisees showing. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot I know, of people right? did. A lot of people didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you got to be careful with that because I, I, you know, people to just call everybody Pharisees. Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> so here's here's the bottom line for me. So someone was was trashing the church at large. Uh, a while back privately and I just looked at him and I said you know if if you talked about my wife the way you're talking about the bride of Christ I'd probably punch you in the face <laughs> you know and with with the love of Jesus of course no but you know just <laughs> just 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 saying you know I wasn't gonna punch anybody but there is we we have to find that place of Having, I mean, loving Jesus, I think, is where it starts, obviously, like you said. Love God, love others. But you have to love the, the people in the church mm -hmm. and also realize that they're, they're fallen, they're broken, and you, you're there not to hurt them further or to you know, retaliate from your hurt, but you're, you're supposed to be there to, to help. You know, when you, when you see that person who has fallen, you, you go to them and try to bring them back. And, and it's exactly what you're saying. It's, Keeping it, it's pretty simple, but keeping the, the thing, the thing. And I think if we do that, we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I travel all over to churches right now. And I, I am so happy to report that the church is good. The, mm. the church is doing good things. And there are good pastors and good leaders and good congregations. And I leave better after being in community with these different churches. And when I look at the book of Acts, I see a, a beautiful blueprint of what a healthy church looks like. Yeah. And it's a church that is built off of mission and the promise of a Holy Spirit that is with us and dwells in us. And I believe we're going to see a radical remnant rise up 
and and be louder than all of those voices that are trying to you know be hated on the church you know it's it's no different paul warned us about this paul was like look i've been shipwrecked i've been betrayed by brothers i've been you know flogged three times and we're quitting for a lot less than that these days so the church is very much alive and well and it's god's idea and anything that's god's idea is a good idea so i would rather be on god's side I love, I, yeah, no, I love it, and and I appreciate that because in a in a judgmental, pessimistic society, we gotta we gotta not be that. We mm-hmm. we were born to be with God, and when you're born again, you are uh, to be with others, his his people, and it's to encourage each other in the faith, not to nitpick and pick apart and walk away. So, mm-hmm. um, bottom line, bottom line from you, is there anything you want to say before I let you go? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in that, you are adopted into a family that is imperfect, but is deeply loved by a perfect father. Mm -hmm. And so if one church has hurt you, that was one church. If one leader has hurt you, that was one leader. Don't give up. Keep looking for that family because there is family for you. And it is a family that wants to welcome you and embrace you and bring you into a table that has a seat just for you. So keep searching. Yeah. We were made for community and God's community is better than the world's community. And it's way better than isolation (laughs) and loneliness. Thank you again. Very good, Natalie. I've been a good conversation. I hope it's encouraged some people. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys out there watching. Again, if you know someone who's struggling with this, just politely say, hey, look, here's some encouragement. Here's someone who's dealt with it. Uh, and you, you can, we can overcome. I mean, we got God on our side. We can, we can overcome these things. We can grow. We can be a part. Appreciate, appreciate you guys being here. Check out Raised to Stay, available wherever you get books. And we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.